All right, we are rolling now. Counting us down. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. If this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, music, television, spoken word, books, experiences, things that have built us up as people. We hope that in sharing them, they build you up. We are the retrospective that's introspective. I like it. I like you got a little sing-songy with it. You moved your hands. Heck yeah. It's that kind of dynamism that we that we show up for here on, on Missing Out. I'm going to say my, say my name again, because when I said Lex Michael, it's very low energy. I was like, Lex Michael. Yeah. Just say it again. Ready? I'm Lex Michael. There we go. Now I know I'm here. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah everyone is, was like, where's Lex Michael? Yeah, we can't he hear so him. sad? Yeah, I don't get it. What's what's the deal? What happened? What's the deal did with he Lex not, Michael? Did he not like the pilot at all? <laughs> is that why he feels sad? Yep. That's what it was. Um... So this week we are going to be covering the 2008 Fox series Fringe. Uh, it was created by J.J. Abrams and Kurtzman and Orsi. Uh, you might know all of those names from the new Star Trek. Uh, they also Kurtzman and Orsi also worked on the Amazing Spider-Man Two, two. They which did some, was a thing. They, well, the Magic Blood is a thing of theirs. Star Trek Into Darkness and Amazing Spider-Man Two both feature Magic Blood as a significant plot point. Yeah, so that's they interesting. Love Magic Blood. They did. Uh, didn't they do a couple of Transformers also? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think some of the later uh, Transformers. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah. So uh, also uh, a writer whom. A writer on the show whom you may know now, uh, uh, Andrew Kreisberg, who uh, made all the CW-verse stuff. With uh, Berlanti, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of good stuff came from this series. Uh, it's starring Anna Torv, uh, Joshua Jackson, John Noble. Um, it also has Kurt Acevedo, who I really like. I like Kurt Acevedo um, a lot. Uh, Lance Reddick, who I'm a very big fan of. Yeah. Um, he also, I don't remember if it is as... His character in Fringe, but he also made an appearance in Lost. Um, there is a Lance Reddick did yes. Okay, so there's a a short. I've never period. seen Lost, by the way. Um, I haven't seen it either. Like I've seen episodes because my old roommate used to watch it, and so I was there through the like latter seasons. Uh, but there's and so in some of the latter seasons, spoiler for Lost. All right. Um. We start going into the future. Um, this sounds vaguely familiar. To me. Yeah. So it's like a future in which some of the people got off the island and everyone keeps being like, we got to go back. Everyone's waiting for us. Um, and so in one of the episodes that takes places that takes place in the future, um, Lance Riddick shows up to talk to Jack and you don't know who he is. Just like, um, uh, I'm a secret agent, and I'm here to talk to you. Uh, so it's it's interesting. They they there's a slight implication that they share a universe um, because in Fringe there's also the Oceanic Airlines, uh. which uh, if you haven't seen Lost, is the airline that crashes, right, um, causing everyone to become <clears throat> lost. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I one day I might sit down and actually watch Lost, but I feel like for me it must be like what Game of Thrones is for a lot of people who never watched Game of Thrones, right? Which is okay, maybe I should watch it because it's this massive, massive, massive cultural thing that's happening right now, right? But now we're far enough in. Well, I might as well wait for the show to wrap up and then I'll start from the big. Oh my god, everybody's so mad! <laughs> All right, well, why would I put myself through that? But I still, I feel like I might one day. I don't have that much time but i feel like one day i may go back and and check lost out finally i mean i i don't since i haven't watched it i can't really pass much judgment right what i know about it is that it had that very signature jj abrams mystery box feel to it also all the same people who worked on lost worked on this show mm-hmm. kurtzman orsi jj abrams all those people essentially came to fringe from lost that's how they all knew each other except for uh, andrew kreisberg who met them at a con or whatever um 
but essentially it very much was the essence of mystery box television where they kind of laid seeds for things and never really focused on where it was going to go. Right. Um, Which is a lesson that they learned when going into fringe. And so they instead decided to map out where everything was going to be going from the beginning to the season finale, but left it malleable enough to where they could drop something and in in early seasons and pay it off later, or they could essentially leave it out and still have enough story to get them where they need to go. Got it. Um, And so I I really like that aspect that like one, you find that they took a note Mm -hmm. and they allowed it to, uh, to create a show that, in addition to being a very character driven show, like it does very much try to pay off a lot of the things that it sets up. Um, And they were talking about how even things in the first season, they just started planting a bunch of Easter eggs so that if they wanted to, at some other point, they could pay it off if needed, Um, which I found to be really interesting. Yeah. Um. So I made you watch the pilot episode. You did. Which is a two-hour pilot, um, which introduces you to all of the main characters. You are introduced to Olivia Dunham, who is our main POV character. You are introduced to uh, Peter Bishop, who is played by Joshua Jackson. Pacey. Um, it, what is that from? Is Daw- that Dawson? Ah, uh, okay. It's the Creek. Definitely never watched that. It's the Creek. I've. Not, I only... I've, I'm very aware of it. I know most of the references, and I've definitely seen some swaths of Dawson's Creek, but not in not in quite some time. No, that's false. I saw several episodes relatively recently. Okay, why? I don't know, man. The Majesty of Vanderbeek. Okay. That's not why. I don't really, I don't have an explanation. <laughs> um, I mostly know him from the Mighty Duck series. Oh, yeah. Um, that's my Joshua Jackson. And now um, Fringe is also my Joshua Jackson touchstone. I saw somewhere that he, the Abrams connection for him was that he had auditioned for Kirk in Star Trek. Yeah. And uh, as we know, didn't end up playing Kirk in Star Trek. But I guess that's maybe what put him on Abrams' radar in the first place. And then I saw his casting was actually a pretty last-minute decision. Yeah, he was the last main character that was chosen. Um, there, there are conflicting reports about where J.J. Uh, Abrams was exposed to him. I guess they also... Um, there was another show, Felicity, I think that uh, he was on for a little bit, that Abrams liked his performance in that. Okay. Um so my head my head canon is that abrams is a really big dawson's creek fan he could be yeah and like they couldn't find like their 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 first choice or whatever dropped out or they couldn't they didn't have any choices like who could play this role so specific we're like we 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 don't know we need we need the perfect type of juice and sauce and and dust uh to coalesce and that is the actor the only actor who can play this part and they sit around and it's like fuck, what do we do they stare at each other blankly for about three hours and then abram slams his hand down on the table he stands up and he's like get me pacey god damn it and kurtzman and orth you're like we don't know we don't know what that means we have no idea what that means <laughs> we better figure it out or he'll be mad yeah i mean that's uh that's everyone knows that's how jj abrams is he just he uh, says something very uh, cryptic and then he walks out the room and everyone just kind of has to figure it out. And he's either very happy when they figure it out or he's mad that they figured it out and tries to change it at the last minute. Um, it's a so- twist. <laughs> he likes to mystery box the creative process. Heck yeah. Mm. Um, but so uh, Joshua Jackson and John Noble, I would say, are the most well-known amongst the main cast. Um, Lance Riddick as well because of his time in Oz and uh, uh, The Wire Wire. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, So... Also, now, if you're listening and you're like, who is this actor they're talking about, Lance Riddick? Uh, The John Wick movies, he's the concierge in the John Wick movies as well. I feel like a lot of people now know him for that. Ah. Um, Yes, he's that guy. Yes, he is that guy. Um, But also, watch The Wire. The Wire, yes. it's, It's... I, it's maybe sounds like a, an overly hyperbolic statement, but I still maintain, in my opinion, that is the best television show of all time. Mm. I mean, but isn't Thundercats the best television show of all time? Uh, I feel like if there was any real competition for The Wire, it'd be Thundercats. 
Which, yeah. as we all know, is a, an even woker show. Oh, it's hella woke. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the greatest television show that's ever aired is Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, I, I've heard such amazing things about Avatar The Last Airbender, and here goes Tari writing it down so that we do a show about it at some point. Yep. Seeing how the sausage is made, kids. Every time I tell, uh, tell Tari that I haven't seen something, he looks away from me. He breaks eye contact with a very pronounced, ugh expression and then writes it down don't make it seem like i'm one of those like <laughs> classic la like oh you haven't seen this your yeah. life is empty people yeah. it's more like oh man this saves me work in the future if you don't like this you must be stupid <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so uh basically uh since we've only watched the pilot or since i only made lex watch the pilot I'm going to do my best not to spoil anything from the subsequent four seasons. Yes. Yeah, so it's a four season show? Um, five seasons. Five seasons. So yeah, here's, yeah. here's my first question. Because I know they got canceled, right? Mm. Or did they end it? That's my question. Do they actually, if I committed to watching this entire series? Yes. Because the people that love Fringe love Fringe. Yes. So if, hypothetically, I were to commit to watching this entire thing, do they actually end their story? Yes. They were given a, uh, they were like, all right, you are able to finish your story in this last season. Um, you have this many episodes. And then they were able to really wrap everything up in a very satisfactory way. Did people like it more than they liked the ending of Lost? Yes. Okay. Um, because it was satisfactory. And right. it built on their their like mythos. Right. Whereas like... I feel like Lost was like, here's your ending. We don't, we just, it's, it's a thing. Matthew Fox turns to the camera and he's like, and now we are found. Uh-huh. Credits. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You, I thought you didn't watch Lost. Oh, I got spoiled that's... for me and stuff. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's those zeitgeist shows. You can't help it. Right. Everyone's always talking about it. Um, but yeah, so basically uh, the only thing I will be spoiling in, in, general terms is the plot of the two hour pilot yes um everything else i'll be speaking in more general terms and talking about more of the performances and the 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 dynamics that build down the line there might be like minor spoilers that like if you were to read a show summary it like and by show summary just like hey what is fringe about i would be essentially mirroring those things but for the most part i won't really be detailing any major plot points or anything to that effect. Um, so there is no spoiler wall this time around with the exception of the pilot, which guys watch it's on Amazon. It's on, um, uh, Oh, I think it's on iTunes. Uh, it's, it's everywhere. Go on the internet. It'll tell you where it is. Uh, so Lex, what yeah. did you think of the pilot? Uh, I dug it. Yeah, I, I yes, uh, that's why I, I mean, I asked you if I were to commit to watching more of this show, right? Because the pilot really worked for me. Uh, and and yeah, the people who love Fringe are super, super into it. So I'm I'm intrigued enough that I if I can carve the time out somewhere, I liked it enough that I would be interested to keep going at least at least midway into the first season and see if I fall into a groove with it the way you know you you hope you do with a new show yeah uh but i i dug it i didn't know for the most part who was in it i was vaguely aware that lance reddick was on the show but i completely forgot until he showed up right um uh it was interesting to see mark valley play somewhat against it because i'm used to seeing mark valley play a little bit more heroic Uh so it was interesting to see him spoilers subvert that and turn out to be uh one of the villains of the pilot i thought that was interesting yeah um John Noble, great, wacky. <laughs> Pacey's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yes, he's he is kind of a exposition robot in the in the pilot episode. Um, like you get a little few moments of like actual genuine human connection, but for the most part, he's like, hey, something scientific, or he like try he's he's there a lot of the time to um make simple the complicated things that John Noble says. Right. Um, which I, I like that as a mechanic. He's um, crazy. He should be back in the institution. Because <laughs> he's crazy. Yeah. Walter. 
<laughs> yep, that's how he says that's it every time. Says. It's a it's a bold acting choice. And he looks right into the camera, oddly. Doesn't look at John Noble, looks right into the camera, turns his head very slowly. Walter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's and every time a character points it out, that so like they go, "Who is he talking to?" And then and another character just goes, "Daddy issues." <laughs> um, it's it's super self aware the whole show. Um, <laughs> no, um, but yeah, I feel like it is. It's such a solid pilot that it almost exists on its own like you could watch it as a pilot but you could also watch it as its own movie like it has a mystery it has a way of getting you from a to b to c to d there's so many different uh twists and turns that occur throughout the pilot that um you can almost never really guess where it's going right um also it's not afraid to be super weird which i really like about it i like that it opens with people's faces melting off and whatnot yeah so i guess this virus right what the virus does essentially like crystallizes your your body more or less so like when mark valley gets infected when he's on the operating table uh he's you kind of see through him and whatnot yeah right but i like that his his uh, calm symptoms manifested that way, but on the plane in the beginning of the episode, pilot like ho- homeboy's face is literally c- like collapsing down off of his head. Yeah, it was nuts. <laughs> like that's when, when I saw it, like because that's how it opens. That's basically this cold open of the show. Yeah, um, is this virus breaking loose on this flight? And I guess they crystallize, but also liquefy because there were no bodies, just gunk everywhere on the plane when they went right. to investigate it. Just fucked up um but as soon as i saw the dude's face falling off i was like i get why tari made me watch this yeah um yeah it's it's uh how do i explain it it's very uh cronenberg like and there were like in doing research i realized that a lot of the people who work on the show were big cronenberg fans and so like yeah um there's an episode down the line where they explore um another a different kind of virus and it gets really body horror well the whole show gets really body horror-y um there's another one on a plane where a person like turns into an animal like it's it's a lot of crazy stuff um the thing i really like about this show is that uh it as you can imagine from the name it takes a lot of fringe science but it also tries to ground them in actual science which i I really like it's not just that like, oh man, we're living in a crazy sci-fi world where things just are technologically advanced. It's like, no, like here is this idea of um, like a shared dream state. Like, let's say an inception where two people are in the same dream. Right. So they find a way to do that in this show um, using practical methods. So they use LSD and, and acid to... to quote unquote open the mind right and they then, throw her in like a sensory deprivation tank right um and so like that would be the quote unquote practical way of inducing that ability so they they find ways to ground really fantastical ideas which i really like and also like the show itself is built completely around characters and their actions and the consequences of those actions yeah um and so you you there's no character that you meet in this pilot episode that you don't immediately get what their deal is. Right. Um, and like, sometimes they'll go so far as to like, have someone be like, to have someone explain it where, for example, there's that moment when you, you have all this interaction between Lance Riddick and Olivia played by Anna Torf, who's great. Uh, yes. But, and you don't understand why he's being so mean to her. He keeps calling her liaison and sweeties and honeys. Um, and then as she's going on her investigation, she talks about what their history is and how like they already know each other because she was working as a military investigator or a Marine investigator. And one of his buddies got like taken down by her due to like sexual harassment relevant. Um mm-hmm. And so he has a grudge against her. Right, because, yeah, the system tends to protect abusers and harassers. Yeah. Did you know? Did you? Come here. Come here, let me tell you. <laughs> come here, let me tell you something about how the system deals with these these, these indiscretions. Oh. Nasty indiscretions. <laughs> That's the new name of the podcast. 
Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Hey guys, welcome back to Nasty Indiscretions. <laughs> it's, it's I'm you. Lex Michael. I'm alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so like everyone in the show already has an established somewhat a somewhat established relationship, but also a perspective on the other people in the show. Yes. Um, and it all feels genuinely grounded in character. Something I'm, I'm really thinking about now is it's an episode where, I mean, it's, it's feature length, but there's no, it feels like there's no unnecessary obfuscation, which is a big, people who want to ding J.J. Abrams for, for whatever it is, a lot of what they'll point to is their opinion that, the mystery box thing is his top priority, right? And it's all about obfuscation and creating the air or the feeling of a mystery without necessarily having much there. So it's a ton of obfuscation in the name of of what? Sometimes nothing. That's one of the big criticisms you hear. But looking at this pilot, there is really none of that. The only obfuscation there is really is what's going on with Mark Valley's character, but that's intentional, right? That's not uh, obfuscation for its own sake. That's we need to set this character up one way so we can invert it. And the rest of it is just information that is gradually revealed to you um, in a way that I, I appreciated. None of it felt like I'm supposed to be on the hook for a greater mystery than there is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not necessarily supposed to be sitting there going, what is their mysterious relationship? <laughs> well, maybe I'll never know. No, could it be? <laughs> in the episode, we the the way they start to peel those layers back, and the way they do it in the pilot, instead of dragging out some of these threads, the way you know uh, uh, he he himself might in other stories. I appreciate it, right? Because, like you say, this could function as its own fairly self-contained story. The way they leave off in the pilot, of course, there are so many different possible directions they can go right but i like that it is relatively self-contained so there would be plenty of opportunities to just over mystery box the thing as a self-contained narrative and i appreciate the restraint because they did not in my opinion they did not do that every mystery that was there was there for a functional narrative purpose instead of being there for its own sake right it's a long route I took to get there, but we got there. <laughs> it was scenic, right? Like, you look at those trees. Yeah. All the wonderful, yummy trees. I see all the trees. Can't see the forest super well, but I see the trees. They're very pretty. Yeah. And I see the forest. It's just a lot of green. It, it looks like just, a, it looks like mold. It's just it's more trees. You know what I mean? Like, the met- it's a weird metaphor. Yeah. Totally. the forest is just trees. It's true. Isn't it? Yeah. And other assorted Fauna. 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 Um, yeah. <laughs> sure. Fuck it. Whatever. Um, but yeah, I, uh, so John Noble, uh, the Walter Bishop character. Yes. Is probably one of my favorite characters on television. Okay. Um, the way that he grows, he's very complex. And and something about this show is that like you get to see these characters really st- well the actors really get to stretch these characters and and dig into all of the nuances about them. And so Walter is a character who um as you as you grow with the character, you see that he's very idiosyncratic. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also, at over time, come to find that he uh, was at one point kind of a monster. The way they establish him, of course, the way they talk him up before he's introduced on screen, but also in his first couple of scenes, there's a certain... You could see how quickly this dude could become very malevolent. Yep. Like I, I assumed they were setting him up as a villain. And of course, by the end of the episode, he's pretty much on the team. Right. Um, I mean, he, well, yes, cause he definitely can go either way. Um, and I think that that's what makes him so complex he, is he's constantly trying to fight against who he used to be. Right. And he's, he's, he's quirky now cause he's essentially, gone mad inside of a, uh, a mental institution for a number of years. I forget. I want to say 15. Um, but 
as you find out more and more about the things that he's done and the lengths that he was willing to go when he was a quote unquote complete man is how he would describe himself. Right. Not how like I view people who've been in mental institutions. Um, <laughs> it's, it's an important clarification. It is. Um, Cause it's, it's, it's one very specific to the character um, because in, there's something happens in later seasons that you find out. Um, and so he's, a literal incomplete man. Um, Intriguing. Yeah. Now you're mystery boxing shit up. <laughs> um, but also, like, I think that he he says it in the first episode or the pilot that, like, when you're in the institution, like, you lose yourself. Mm-hmm. You lose a, a piece of yourself, and it's nice to be reminded what it's like just to be a human being again. Right. Um, but as he gets closer to being a human being, he has to struggle with who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really, I feel like since they were able to kind of explore that over the course of five seasons, you're able to get into the nuance of like what it means to be a, a bad person who's trying to be a good person well i feel like that's pretty relatable right i mean not necessarily i I don't think everybody feels like they are or have been a bad person but i do think plenty of people can relate to the idea of maybe not being your best self and having to work to combat your lesser impulses to try and be a better version of who you can be yeah um so and i also really like his trajectory as a father because you really get how much his the way he he was affected his son Joshua Jackson yeah. to where like he's become this crazy nomad dude who just doesn't know how to sit still which he doesn't realize is what his father like the way he saw his father is what he had ultimately become right. he has the brain of his father but like the the runaway or none of the the like anchors of family that kept him in one place right that's why he keeps turning to the camera and going Walter. <laughs> and and john noble's arc as a father is i gotta get that kid to stop looking right into the camera yep it's it's hard though uh and because when he's not doing that he just keeps going quack quack <laughs> quack 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 <laughs> um yeah Joshua Jackson, man, impressive actor. He lot just, of he range. makes, yeah, he makes very big choices. Right, that's what makes him so compelling to watch. Yeah, you know, despite whatever's written on the page, like he's gonna go for it. <laughs> oh man, it's like we cast him to keep our sets lively. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so this, uh, this kind of brings me to this to my thoughts about fringe science. Lex Michael. Yeah. Um, you know, if there were any fringe ideas, what would you want to explore a little bit more? Well, what do you what do you what do you mean? Like fringe science, you know, like telekinesis or teleportation or uh, you know, uh sh- sh- thought sharing, mind reading. Ooh, baby. What else we got? Invisibility. I would be too nervous to fuck with teleportation because I saw how that worked out for Seth Brundle. No good. He became a fly monster. Ah, okay. Yeah, so that, uh, I think teleportation's out. Although, if somebody else wants to get on teleportation, I will jump in after the first five years or so once they work the kinks out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be no mutated lumpy fly monster. Gotcha. Uh, Let's see, what else? Telekinesis. I feel like eventually the way things are going and how we have less and less and less privacy all the time, eventually, right, we're just going to be able to read each other's thoughts. Mm. Well, um, mm, uh, technically, he's pushing his glasses um, up. Here we go. Telekinesis is the ability to move things with your mind, whereas telepathy is the ability to read minds. Um, So uh, maybe uh, you should uh, go back to school. (laughs) (laughs) This is upsetting. Uh, no, yes, I I do know that I was I was jumping to the to the other. That oh, though, got it. there's an episode of Star Trek where Shatner pronounces it telekinesis, and I can't tell if he's joking or not. <laughs> he's doing it to be facetious, facetious. Yes, fascus, Fas- There we go, fascus. We we nailed it. <laughs> uh, oh, speaking of uh, speaking of William Shatner, yes. Uh, oh, does he show up on Fringe? 
Uh, no, but his good buddy Leonard Nimoy does. I was vaguely aware of that. Yeah. Um, which is, it's a, it's nice. Like I, cause I think by the time that the show had started, Leonard Nimoy was pretty retired from acting and he instead was like, you know what? I will come out and do this thing. Um, and he, he has a bunch of appearances throughout the series and, I think every time they were surprised that he would do it. Cause he's like, I'm not acting anymore. Eat my butt. Um, but then that led to him also doing other acting stuff. Right. Was this uh, before or after Star Trek? Um, the, the JJ Abrams movie, not the original series. Clearly this was after the original. <laughs> this series. was way before the original series. Fringe is a 1950s program. <laughs> um, uh, I believe, I don't remember when the original Star Trek came out, or not the original, but Star Trek the movie. This started in 2008. I want to say that Star Trek was 2011, um, but I cannot confirm nor deny. I wish there was some kind of interconnected network that would allow me to find information instantly. It's 2009. 2009? It's the next year. But, oh. But when does, does Leonard Nimoy show up in the first season? Um, because if not, they were probably in production uh, on Star Trek around that time, right? So then it's possible they worked together on Star Trek, and then it, uh, Leonard Nimoy was like, "Yes, JJ, I yep. will do your series." <laughs> um, yeah, I assume that that's exactly what happened. Yes, he was like, "Yo, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna make it so that your character Spock is uh, going to be having." all the sex by the end of my movie. And he's like, well, what can I do in exchange for this great boon you've provided? And he's like, just, you know, just show up in my new movie or my new series. I'm, uh, I'm only going to write the, the pilot and then I'm going to just keep my name on it and do other stuff. But it'll be real tight. My friends, Kurtzman and Orsi, are big fans. They love magical blood. And he's like, I have magical blood. And then they're like, oh, man. Why see, is he perfect. Dracula all of a sudden? What? Why is he Dracula all no, of a sudden? No, that's just how Leonard Nimoy I talks. I have magical blood. <laughs> yes. Is that? Have you never heard Leonard Nimoy before? Is this your first time? Because that's exactly how he sounds. He's like, uh, yeah. I played Spock one time. Uh, over the course of many years, I became Spock. I was once lost, and they had to search for me, Spock. And then I did Kingdom Hearts later. It feels like you're sliding into Bane a little bit. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> so are you saying that Bane was doing a Leonard Nimoy impression? <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. Captain, anyway. I'm wondering why someone would shoot a man with a phaser before throwing him out of the airlock. <laughs> Theatrical interception. That's <laughs> what he sounds like. It's true. Um, I've, I've definitely seen all of these IPs for sure. Totally. I've definitely familiarized myself with the intricacies of these characters. Yes, indeed. I agree. <laughs> Um, but, uh, another character that I really like, ah, the um, show has Pacey on it. <laughs> um, the character who you, you mostly see her in the background, but Astrid. Yes. Um, this, this assistant character. Yeah. Um, she, I feel like is the heart of the team. All right. Um, she's really, she's really sweet. She ultimately becomes, uh, a companion character to Walter. Because, like, we spend so much time in the lab, which they originally were thinking of calling their show The Lab. Um, because the Walter's lab is, like, the home base of the whole show. Because there is a lab. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, think, I think they made the right choice. I think Fringe is definitely a title that pops a little more. Yes, I agree. Um, but she hangs out with him a lot. And I think that, like, really helps ground the character when it, you're not dealing with daddy issues with Joshua right. Jackson and, and uh, not doing cases with Olivia. Right. Um, they, she's like, she is able to really grow as well, which I really like. Yeah. Didn't have a ton to do in the pilot. Yeah. Um, but she eventually does a lot. I liked her when All she was the there. characters do a lot. 
She watches SpongeBob with them. Yeah. I mean, because who wouldn't want to live in a pineapple under the sea? I can't breathe water, so me. Well, learn. <laughs> Gr- grow those gills you've been talking about. Yeah, seriously. Um, oh, I have a question. Yes. Uh, what is the ratio of, uh, let's call them mythology episodes, to case of the week episodes? Okay, that's a good question, because um, that was on one of my next thingies. Um, essentially, the show starts... Uh, I would say the first season is like a standard procedural, but you also have underlying mythology. Right. So um, every episode is uh, in the first season. Every episode is a procedural where they're doing a case of the week. Um, And then I think by episode four, you start to get a hint of the bigger picture. Okay. Okay. and you already get a little bit of it when they mention the pattern, mm-hmm. um, which is ultimately the, the I guess I would describe it as the overarching plot line in season one. Okay. And then once you get into season two, basically the procedural aspect starts to drop away and you start getting deeper and deeper into the mythology. They started doing the procedural they started it as a procedural because that was what was hot at the time. People were like, Oh shit, people love procedurals and they want to be able to watch it without having to do it week to week. Cause this was really before like, or when we were just starting to get into uh, like streaming media, Mm -hmm. like 2008 was the same year that Hulu started or the year after Hulu started. Um, so if you missed a show, like, let's say you were trying to watch lost and you missed an episode, uh, you'd be like, I don't know what's happening. There's a bear and no one's explaining anything to me. Wait, there's a bear. Um, so I hear, but, uh, so that was one of the lessons that they took from lost being so serialized is that you get, it's, you find it easier to get lost. Yeah, you get it. Um, and so they wanted it to be as procedural as possible, at least for the first couple seasons, because they didn't want people to start dropping off if they missed episodes. Right. Um, but as as they go further, they start really building out the mythology, especially because they had at least six or seven seasons of material to kind of play with in their uh, series map. Mm-hmm. And so as they get to the second season, they really start leaning into the mythology of what's happening. By the third season, um, like there are a couple, like there are a few, I guess, procedural-esque things. But like I think by by season three, it's all in on mythology. Um, Season four, they get a little bit back to uh, some procedural stuff because of where they end with season three. And then season five is all mythology. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the breakdown of the show. All right. Um, because, yeah, because of certain circumstances. Like se- seasons one through three all are like building off of one another and really like just doing as much world building as possible while having like case of the weeks here and there. Yeah. Um, seasons four and five, I feel like they were allowed to kind of dance around a little bit more and splash in their waters. Okay. Um, especially because they had so much that was already established and built up. Right. Um, especially for season five, which like they were just allowed to kind of do whatever they wanted because it was their last season. And so they were like, all right, guess we're doing this now. Right. Um, which is great. Uh, does that answer your question? Do you feel satisfied? I do. I feel like I got the information I needed. I am I'm generally more of a serialized TV show person than a than a procedural case of the week person because at a certain point on a long enough timeline I start to feel like I'm just watching the same procedure over and over and over with slightly different window dressing and stuff yeah um occasionally you know you'll get something really great like they'll they'll subvert your expectations in a way that like oh wow this case of the week episode really pops yeah for every one of those there's like five okay the same procedure these actors are very good at what they do but yeah same thing. Well, I mean, uh, I would say that even the procedural episodes of Fringe, just to keep selling it to you, um, even the procedural episodes, I think that they provide, because again, it is trying to take 
really interesting sci-fi concepts and ground them. Um, I think that it keeps you guessing in terms of like what's happening and how we got to point A or to point B from point A. That's how numbers and letters work sequentially. <sighs> um, so I think it's it, even when it's procedural, it's enough because they are also really steeped in character uh, building. And so like, yes, you, you have like your case of the week, but also it's like, what's happening with, uh, what's happening with Walter and Peter this week? Hey, uh, Hey, is, is Olivia going through something because of her ex-boyfriend's stuff? Right. So stuff. So, so they're weaving in continuity even throughout the case of the week episodes. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's good. I can work with that. Yes. You got dang better, because that's how it is. You can't change it. Right. Not even with a petition. It's a, it's a decade-old show. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. That's true. Yeah. I uh, realized what year it was, and I was like, oh, man, I'm old. Yeah. I'm so old. I know that, I know that feeling. Yeah. Oh, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Time, time marches on. It's cruel to all of us. Is it? Is it really, though? What if I could develop a way? To stop aging, what kind of science would I need in order for an anti-aging solution to be relevant and accessible in my life? Hmm. What kind of science would this be? I'm not helping you. What kind of... Come on, come on. Just keep keep digging. I'm I'm trying to get into some fringe science. Just keep digging. Ooh, what would I need? Ooh, I could try to find the fountain of youth. I'll but hand maybe... you another shovel, but I'm not getting down in this Come hole. on, come on, get down, get down with me. No. Oh, oh, boy. What about cells? What do you know about cells? Well, you see, they start to degrade over time. All right, give me as... my shovel back. I'm burying you in this hole. <laughs> I'm just covering no, the hole No, come up. on. Have fun. I'm filling it with Why concrete. Why do you hate fun? <laughs> There's a parking lot here now fine i'm gonna i'll just continue to talk about stuff then and everybody thinks the parking lot is haunted but it's really just you perfectly fine in this little hole just talking about fringe science (laughs) fringe science is cool making sandwiches down there and shit no one knows where you got sandwich supplies from but you got them you're fine i I used the fringe science to make it I, I was like, ooh, why don't I make a conjuration potion? Because I'm an apothecary. <laughs> what? Yeah. Apothecaries do science, right? Eh. I mean, what is magic but just super advanced science? Science we don't understand. Yeah. You know? Your primitive human brains will never understand my magic science. A precursor to science fact. Ho, ho, ho. He, he, he. Ha. All right, that's enough of that. Ha. Ha. I'm pulling the plug on this. Why? I feel like we're having loads of fun. <laughs> um, but another thing I wanted to talk about yes. was... um. Just the, the the visual stylings of this show, mm-hmm. um, I I feel like it's super well edited and super well shot. Um, like for example, uh, there was oh just like all the all the translucent skin effects. And that things was really of that sort. yeah, that was a cool effect. Yeah, um, and I I know that it's like a it, there's all their effects are usually a combination of like practical and CG. Um, there's one, there's, a an episode later, um, where there is a big giant worm involved. And so they had to like, there's a, there's a CG version of the worm, but there's also like a really cool, uh, like practical worm that they use. Like there's some like behind the scenes you can watch that like show how they did all the, the worm stuff and it's gross and it's nice. Um, okay. But I really like it carries and and only like grows as you go through the series because they get a big bigger budget. Yeah. Um, but I really like the stylings of the show. Um, like even, for example, in the pilot, when after uh, Agent Scott gets better, he still has all the like gross veins on his face. Yeah. Like I really like that aesthetic as well. Um, 
I I feel like this is one of those shows where it 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 became a really big passion project, and I think that's why people like it so much. Is that like there's a lot of devotion and attention to detail that goes into it, or that went into it because it's not live anymore. Right. Um, that went into it. That I think that it is an, an example of everyone working at the height of their abilities in order to make something come together that works on all levels. Right. And there are a lot of instances where you'll make a pilot and its, it's primary function is as a sales tool and not necessarily as a story tool. But uh, there's nothing that feels hollow or we're, we're just trying to sell you on something for the sake of selling you on something. It right. really feels like they actually put together a really... Uh, well-functioning story unit and I feel like that's the biggest reason why I'm genuinely curious to see where they take the stories because it feels like they actually did put trite way to, to put it maybe but they put a lot of heart and soul into this pilot you can feel it like you can feel you could I feel like you can often feel when you're watching a movie or a tv show when everybody genuinely cared about it yeah. Now maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just projecting stuff onto this pilot that's not actually there. Maybe no, it's all, there. maybe they were all miserable to be there. But it feels like there's there's heart there and there's passion there and there's commitment there that only comes with both. Yeah. Um, you're right. And they loved it. You watch all the BTS stuff. They love it. They 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 uh, make all these special episodes too. Also love it. Um, I mean the show. I would say that like, I think in the third maybe fourth season there are a couple like dropped threads so like if you're one of those people who are like everything must be perfect um eat a butt um but like there's a there's there are a lot of really cool sequences there's a whole there's like an animated episode like i think i feel like at a certain point they were like all right every ninth episode of every season is going to be a special episode Um, special like Fringe talks about gun violence. <laughs> no, um, more like one's a musical episode, one's uh, an like an all animated episode. One is just like a psychedelic. Like I think it's the literal name of the episode is like the chemical compound for LSD, um, and it gets real psychedelic. Um, so stuff like that, where right. you you get to dive in and they get to do just more weird stuff. Um, and I, I really like those episodes, too. It's it, it shows that the makers were able to have a lot of fun, um, in addition to all the stuff that John Noble does. Um, so, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts about this, uh, this, this fine, fine pilot series? There is a decent chance. I don't know how soon it's going to be, but there is a decent chance that I will continue to watch this show because I thought this was a very good pilot. Yeah. Um, I, I recommend it. I think you, I think you should. Um, I mean, another reason why I suggested this show is because, uh, as we talked about a little bit yesterday, um, Game of Thrones, they had their finale and they were given a certain amount of time to wrap it up. Um, and I feel like there was a little bit of dropped ball, but I feel, but so conversely, I wanted to share a show that, uh, managed to make use of everything that they had laid the seeds for and made the best use of the time that they had left. Like they were surprised to not, I mean, they were given a certain amount of time. Like they weren't officially canceled, but they were basically right. Like th- this is going to be your last season. Right. Um, and I love what they did with it. Like they could have just, uh, had a continuation of what they were doing before. And right. you could have hung out with Walter and the cow and all that stuff. But instead they decided to have what I would deem as a very ambitious final season. You start the season with people that you don't know and you unravel how we got there as the, the season, as the season premiere goes on, um, which again, Super ambitious, super crazy. Yeah. Um, and they managed to expand the world in a way that, like, most people don't on in their last season. Usually, in 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 your last season, there's a there may be a tendency to like play it safe, or there may be a tendency to try to um, be more fan servicey to your 
audience mm-hmm. to just be like, all right, well, now I'm going to give you all the good feels since this is our last season. But this one was like, no, we're going to try to make a more complex story and we're going to build on the themes that we had previously established. And we're going to show you how much people can change or what happens if they don't. All right. Um, so I, I really like the trajectory of the the show as a whole. Um, I mean, again, first season, very procedurally, um, very procedural. That's how that sentence works. Um, but like, as they keep building out the mythology, you'll see that you'll see how the grand plan lays out. Are these full 20 something episode seasons? I don't remember. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I don't think they are. I feel like they are a little shorter than 13 or a little shorter than 20 episodes. Um, I would have to check some interconnected network that I wish existed. I don't know how uh, shows work, but uh, there are, um, yeah, I guess 20 season, twenty episodes per season except for the last season. Okay. All yep. right. Yep. All right. I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll make the commitment. Do it. It's only five seasons. Come on. Come on. Do it. Don't be a coward. Don't so, be a- so there's 100 episodes? Yeah, I think so. That's a nice, nice round number. Yeah. Don't be a coward. Don't, don't, don't fucking bitch out on me. J- j- yep, that's it. Uh, are you, do you feel thoroughly antagonized? How antagonized do you feel? Scale of one to ten. Four. Oh. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Um, your face is dumb, and the only way to make it smarter is to watch Fringe. <laughs> do, you, do you feel... Into how, all right, it's one a, to ten again. Pretty compelling argument. I yeah. will put it that way. Good. Um, Because you, you got to be thoroughly antagonized. Um, But, I mean, yeah. I feel like I've said my piece. I, I, I feel like if you haven't watched it by now, guys... Get on it. It's one of the the best shows that have has aired on TV. It's also a sci-fi show that Fox allowed to exist beyond one season. That happens very rarely. It is very rare. I think if it wasn't a uh, a bad robot production, it probably would have been prematurely canceled. Right. Like with the exception of X Files. Right. Yep. How many others have there been? Um. I mean, do you qualify Lost as a sci-fi show? I not having seen it, I wouldn't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. Um, so, yeah, X Files, wild. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I don't understand why they hate. Well, I guess technically, if you count the Orville um, by Seth MacFarlane, then sorry, it was sci-fi comedy. Yeah, I suppose. So that went longer. I mean, I assume because it's part of some special deal that uh, Fox has with Seth MacFarlane as well. Right. Um, Because he does all his shows with them and they give him lots of money. Right. Uh, So that one, I mean, I feel like there are all these shows that they aired that I would love new seasons for. Like I was such a fan of Minority Report. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that Um, ran... Did that run longer Just than a season? One season. Okay. Um, and then I don't remember if Being Human was an was a Fox show. I feel like it was because it was definitely canceled after one season. Um, or is it Being Human or Almost Human? Almost Human. Um, the one with uh, k- k- Bones from the new David Boreanaz. No, not that <laughs> Bones from Star Trek. Oh, uh, um, Keith. Urban. <laughs> yes, it's Keith Carl, Carl Urban. Urban. Yeah. <laughs> Keith Urban, the singer. As, uh, anyways, but um, that one I would love more seasons for. It was very good. Um, I mean, everyone loved Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, uh, you know what? I remember watching Sarah Connor Chronicles and I, I kind of dug it. Yeah. Canceled. Yep, it was. Um, it Firefly. Was canceled. Very canceled. Fox, give your sci-fi shows a chance. Just, like, give them at least two seasons. That's all I ask. If you can give the Orville more than one season, you can give every other sci-fi show more than one season. No, I'm not dig- digging on the Orville. 
I mean, it's fine. It's like, it's like if Seth MacFarlane wrote Star Trek, which is take that however you'd like. Um, but being or almost human was so good. Minority Report was so good. Like, give these shows a chance. I'm begging you, Fox. <laughs> I'm, I want. I want it. I need it. <laughs> I'm just saying, you don't know what you, you you don't know what you've lost. (laughs) That was it. Okay. Um, But I'm glad that they didn't cancel Fringe after one season because it is great. Yeah. A lot of people share that sentiment. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I felt like I was the only one of my friends watching it. uh, But were you watching it as it was airing? Yeah. Okay. Like I was watching it from day one um, just because like the the idea was really intriguing to me. Um, and cause I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of practical sci-fi. Also like everyone was like, Oh man, it's like, it's like fringe science version of X files, which is what it basically is. I mean, arguably X files is the fringe science version of X files, but I see your point. Right. I mean, X files is like, Aliens, but this one's like well, X Files is sort of like everything. It's like aliens, d- ghosts, demons, weird incest, cannibal family, psychics. Oh, I've uh, never watched a single episode. Oh, well, I may have watched a single episode. There is a lot of X Files to watch. Yes, um, lot of there's a massive range of quality because the thing ran for nine seasons initially. Yeah. Some of the individual episodes of X-Files, for me, in my opinion, rank among the best episodes of television of all time. Okay. And um, there are a couple. Maybe I'll, I'll like uh, select two or three that are relatively standalone that I can throw at you. Yeah, I mean, that'd be cool. I I have a vague... Uh, I, yeah, I guess I have a vague relationship with the X-Files in that like it's been referenced in popular media for many years. Yeah. Um, like even the show reboot, which was an animated show that I was super into Uh, had two characters based on Mulder and Scully. Um, it was too scary for me. X-Files was? Yes. X-Files was too scary. As, as anyone who has ever listened to the show knows, I was a very weak baby boy. Uh Um, and so like I couldn't watch it. Um, but cause, and maybe it was just the episode I saw, but it was scary. Um, I mean, some of them get a little bit intense. Yeah. And so, uh, I never really got into it because of how scary it was. Right. Um, but everyone is always talking about how good it is. Oh, it's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. But again, like it's not, you know, there's a there's a range of quality as there would be if the thing runs for nine seasons, two feature films and two revival seasons. Right. Um, so uh, what so what you're saying is that since Fringe was good from beginning to end, it's a better show than The X-Files. That's what I, all right. You've heard it that's here the, first. That's the sound bite. Yeah. You heard it here first. Uh, it's a greater, Fringe is a greater show than X-Files. Lex Michael. I mean, not for nothing though. How many shows are there that remain truly great for longer than five seasons? They exist, but there aren't many. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, if you squish together um, the... Avatar The Last Bender and uh, Legend of Korra, that show. If you consider them one single solitary show, that show. All right. Hell yeah. Avatar The Last Airbender, best show on television. Legend of Korra, better follow up. Uh, Well, it's just as good. All right. Yeah. Equal quality. For the the time being, I will take your word for it. Um, Well, you won't have to wait too long. Cause it's coming soon. Great. It's coming at you. Great. Oh man. Let's um, bend some air. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's what we thought about fringe guys. If you have a chance to check it out, as we said, it's on, uh, most streaming it's on streaming platforms. Um, I watched it on Amazon. I'm sure that Lex also watched it on Amazon. I did. Um, so yeah, check it out guys. Uh, you can watch it with, ads or you could watch it without ads if you rent it whatever um but yeah let us know what you thought 
at Missing Outcast, M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Or you can hit us up on our personal social media. Lex, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael, And I'm at Tari J. T-E-U-R-I-J-A-Y. Don't you join us next week? Yeah. Um, but until then, this has been the retrospective that's introspective. And now you have a new perspective. <laughs> <laughs>